Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very third episode of the Class Stars podcast. My name is Moshe Fried, and today I want to tell you about how I try to take the impact of teacher-student relationships to the next level and the bumps that I encountered along the way. The big question is, how do teachers like us, who are being pulled in so many directions, with so many demands and so much to do, how do we make sure that we not only get through our lesson as planned, but also make sure that every child is noticed every day, and that each one gets the attention they need to succeed? That is the question, and the Class Stars podcast is here to give you the answer. Here is your host, Moshe Freed. So in the first episode, I told you about the thrill that I get from helping students and teachers develop meaningful relationships and helping teachers have deep impact on their students. The first few years of my career were amazing in that I had great kids that I was working with. I had the ability to collaborate with their parents and teachers a lot and really see impact. There's no feeling like the feeling of a job well done. But after a few years, I started to think, can I take this to the next level? I thought to myself, that even if I carry a large caseload of kids, there's a limit. How many kids can I work with over the course of the year if I'm working with them one-on-one? So although it would be very reward- rewarding, I thought to myself, if I can create a program that systematically teaches teachers how to have this kind of meaningful impact, I can really take this to the next level. I'd be impacting a teacher that has a class of 20 to 30 kids. And if I work with, let's say, 10 teachers over the course of a year, that's 200 to 300 kids, which is a much greater impact than I can have if I work directly with the children through their teachers. Now, of course, even when I work with an individual child and a teacher, the impact that it has on the teacher is not just limited to that one child. The teacher will take this and work with other children as well. But the thought of having this greater impact was very, very intriguing to me. At that time, I thought that the best way to do this is to speak directly to the teachers, to take the ideas and concepts that were helping me foster these relationships and present them to the teachers. I can give presentations that emphasize these kinds of relationships, the impact that it has, identify the the challenges that get in the way, and understand how to overcome those challenges. I remember that when I was in graduate school for social work, there was a very strong emphasis on the therapeutic alliance which is really just a fancy word for the relationship. We learned a lot about how the way we communicated both verbally and non-verbally to be aware of the vibes that we're giving over to our clients, so on and so forth. It seemed that in learning to become a teacher, which requires managing far more complex environments, these social work skills don't get the same emphasis. I thought that I could really provide value to teachers by exposing them to this and focusing on these concepts. What I didn't realize was that the skill set that I had developed to work with people in a therapy environment was not going to automatically translate to this new endeavor. But I wasn't going to find out about this right away. We'll get to that soon. I began to think about the common themes that came up when I worked with teachers to foster these relationships. I realized that for this vision to come to fruition, a number of things had to happen. I needed to understand the principles of what I was doing and how it was producing those results. I needed to organize it and deliver it in a way that is consumable to an audience of teachers. But before anything, I needed an actual audience to talk to. I'm very grateful to Rabbi Yisachar Wiener, the principal of Teferis Yisrael in Brooklyn, for arranging for me to speak with his faculty and present my ideas to them. I put together a three-part presentation that will be given over three months. After many hours of work, writing, rewriting, creating PowerPoint slides, handouts, redoing the slides, rewriting again. 
I finally had a three-part presentation that I thought would be very valuable for teachers. The goal of the presentation, I told the crowd, was to get more children to be more successful and to minimize our stress. I figured that this was pretty universal and and an acceptable objective. I began by talking about the value of education and the opportunity that we have to impact these children in a way that they'll remember us for the rest of our lives. It seemed that the beginning of my work with teachers often began by reminding them how important this work is. Not that they don't know this, but it's easy to become frustrated by struggling students. So although we know that what we're doing is valuable, the frustration can cloud our mind. And just taking a few moments to focus on this really frames things in a way that is conducive for thinking about solutions. The rest of the talk focused on understanding the kids we see as challenging. I use the framework that Ross Green discusses in his books, The Explosive Child, Lost at School, and he has since written Raising Human Beings, Creating a Collaborative Partnership with Your Child, and Lost and Found, Helping Behaviorally Challenging Students. All great books. He also has a great website, www.livesinthebalance.org, and if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend that you check it out. What I love about Dr. Green's approach is that he believes in the kids. He takes the positions that children do well if they can. If a child is struggling, it's likely due to a lagging skill or unsolved problem. And he explains how to identify and collaboratively solve the problem that the student has. This approach is common sense and evidence-based, and it had been very helpful for me, so I wanted to share it with the teachers. I tried to make it more of a conversation than a lecture, to get the teachers involved, and it seemed as though most most of us were having a good time. What I failed to pay attention to was that there were a few teachers who were not as engaged, and I didn't realize what that would mean. Later, I followed up with two other presentations that elaborated on the ideas discussed in the first presentation. Overall, it was a success, and I got many positive reviews. Most of all, I now felt that I was impacting the entire school, and it was an amazing feeling. I was excited and ready to conquer the world. And in fact, I was even hired to speak at another school, which was really cool. I was only practicing for a few years and already seasoned educators thought I had value to offer. I came to the second school where I had never been before, but they had heard about me from the first school. So I wasn't expecting to be received as warmly as I was in the first school. After all, I was an outsider here, but I was confident and excited and expecting a very good response. It didn't quite work out that way. There was something about the energy in the room that wasn't right. It's hard to describe, but if you've ever presented to a crowd, you can get a sense if what you're saying is resonating or not. You can almost feel the people engaged. People are still, and they're focused on the presenter. When a talk is not being received well, people get fidgety, the phones start to come out, and they may even start talking to one another. And you can just feel that it's just not happening today. I was so focused on succeeding, though, that although I didn't feel like I was being received well, I wrote it off to some other reason why they weren't taking it. I was even hired back for the second presentation, but that one was even worse, and I was not hired back for the third presentation. The principal was nice about it, though. He told me that they would love to have me back, but they didn't have time in the schedule. What a gentleman. I took it in stride, but I wasn't really hearing the message. I wasn't taking the critique. I got hired at a third school, but they didn't even call me back for part two. This clearly was not working out. And that's when it hit me. In the first school, I actually had relationships with many of the teachers. Those teachers were eager to engage with me and really enjoyed my talk. I wasn't a famous person and I hadn't written any books on the topic, but I had spent time with them and for many of them, I had actually done with them what I said I was going to talk about. When I went to the second and third schools, I didn't have that. I didn't have a rapport with them. 
So while on one hand I realized that I needed to sharpen my skills as a presenter in order to succeed this way, on the other hand, I really felt like I was validating my point. Relationships matter more than we might realize. It's much easier to be received by people who have a good relationship with you than by people that you don't really know. Not that anyone will downplay it, but it doesn't seem to get the credit it deserves. It doesn't seem to be examined and studied and spoken about enough. Do we commonly hear people suggest that the first few weeks of school should be dedicated primarily to establishing good relationships with the children and how to do that? That before starting your lesson, engage them in some kind of relationship building exercise? I'm not suggesting exactly how it should be done, but just like therapy stresses the therapeutic alliance or relationships, teachers should stop to think, what do these kids think of me? Now, many of you probably do stop to think about this, but the kids who don't like us we often think of it as some kind of problem that they have. They have a problem, and if they wouldn't have that problem, they would like me the way the rest of the kids do. We might even be right about that sometimes. It might be the kids' problems, but as we all know, these are just kids. We can definitely take responsibility for the relationship in a teacher-student relationship. If we decide to, we can make sure to have a good, positive relationship with each and every one of our students. I needed to figure out a better way to deliver this message to people. So I decided not to pursue the speaking gig anymore and went back to the drawing board. When I first came out of graduate school, I met with as many people with experience in the field as I could to really prepare myself to be as good of a practitioner as I could possibly be. One of the people that I met with was a psychiatrist named Dr. Abraham Tversky. At that time, he was a man in his 80s and had published over 60 books. He's really brilliant with very keen insight into human behavior. And I asked him what I can do to be the best therapist that I can be. He suggested that I form what he called a peer supervision group, a group of peers that meet at regular intervals to discuss professional dealings. He explained that such a group and the needing to explain to them what's going on will keep me sharp and focused and that that is the key to continued growth. I know that teachers are required to attend professional development, but it seemed like it was uncommon for teachers to have this kind of support. I decided to see if I can use this idea to spread my message of deep impact through strong teacher-student relationships. Stay tuned until next week when I tell you what happened next. And don't forget to rate and review this episode and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for tuning into the Class Stars podcast. To learn more about our vision for education, subscribe to us, visit our website, take our free training, sign up for the newsletter, and follow us on social media. Join the revolution in education and become a Class Stars today empowering educators one episode at a time.